that our children's ministry started today. Thursday night was uh, junior high. We had 61 kids here on Thursday night for junior high. And then obviously tonight is senior high as well. So just a lot of great things going. For those of you who feel disappointed we didn't sing long enough, we're going to do it at the end today. If you weren't here last Sunday morning, that's why we're doing it. And that'll make sense as we finish the message out. Also, for those of you who have been here for a long time, in some strange, mysterious way, every five years we transition into a new worship pastor. And last Sunday morning, Dave and Pam slipped into their sixth year, and I told them. And I told them, they're here till Jesus comes back, so it doesn't really matter. And you're going to understand why at the end of the message this morning. Last Sunday morning, I began a two-week series on handling the pressures of life. Handling pressure, handling worry, handling stress. Somebody said last Sunday morning, that's exactly what they feel like under that second S. Well, just at the end of my rope or the last string that is about to break. Some of you have them regularly. Sometimes they come sporadically. Sometimes you feel overwhelmed. You're on top of them. Other times you feel like they're on top of you. This morning we were praying before the service began. One of the elders meets me on a regular basis. And, and I said to him, to be really honest with you, every single Sunday morning when I know I'm about to stand up and declare the word of God, I feel the weight of that. I want to communicate well. I want to communicate with clarity. But I also recognize I'm speaking on behalf of God and his word. And I want to do that well. Other times we face different kinds of pressures and different kinds of stresses that sometimes overwhelm us. A couple of years ago, I was diagnosed with supraventricular tachycardia. It took me a while to learn that one. And it really has to do with the heart. It beats irregularly at times. It goes sporadically. There's no rhyme or reason for what it does. Every once in a while, you'll see me sitting over here in this corner, and I'm going like this. If you're in a medical field, you're probably a little bit nervous about that. But I'm going like this because it's beating sporadically. I can't feel my pulse. The first time I tried to do that, I thought, oh my goodness, I died. <laughs> and then I realized, oh, this is heaven. I'm at CAC. This has got to be heaven. But it goes sporadically and it goes erratically. And you know the thing that triggers it? Stress and pressure. We all face it at one point or the other. And sometimes we don't know where to go with it. And then I always go back to the word of God. Because you know and I know it's the guide in the middle of a crazy, unpredictable, unreliable world. And 2020 has been that. I've chosen not to concentrate on all of that, but it's in front of us every single day. And every leader is supposed to talk about current reality. And so last Sunday morning we talked about current reality and some of the things we face on a regular basis. But 2020 has taken us to the top of that. Everybody wondered what 2020 was going to look like in 2019. Now everybody can't wait for 2021 to see what's going to happen so that we can get through this. And no one really knows what that's even going to look like. But it has been extremely different. And then you add to that not only the normal aspects of life, but certainly COVID and then starting school and whether or not they'll be able to stay in school. And can we go to sports? Will we have sports? Will we be able to go if they do have sports? Will my kids be okay? Will it make it? And then all of a sudden the hurricanes come. And if you watched any of the videos in Louisiana, I mean, it was unbelievable how just simply areas were wiped out with hurricanes or tornadoes. And then just a few weeks after that is all the fires in the entire West Coast. I mean, people describe it as apocalyptic. And when you live in the East Coast, sometimes you forget what others are facing. Certainly, I 
I see all the devastation in Africa. I love the continent of Africa, and I watch it regularly on other channels, but so often when it's in another place, we don't notice it, and even those of us sometimes on the East Coast forget, but they're being absolutely devastated by what's taking place. A friend of mine is a pastor in Paradise, California, and a few years ago, their entire city was wiped out. And now they're saying in Oregon and, 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 and Washington and California, I mean, entire communities are gone. It's overwhelming sometimes. And for others, it's just the pressures of everyday life or the uncertainty of everyday life. And where do we go with all of that? What steps do we take? How do we deal with that? And does anybody understand what it is that I'm going through? Well, the answer is always yes. And the answer to that yes is Jesus. Because he knows everything about us, knows every circumstance we face, and walks with us every single step of the way. As a matter of fact, he said to his disciples, I can't stay here physically. I need to go back to the Father, but I'm telling you, I'm going to send my Holy Spirit in John chapter 16 and 15, and he's going to walk with you through all of that. It is God himself walking with you through all of those uncertainties and unpredictabilities of life. And so we went to the model of Jesus in John. Could have gone to Matthew, Mark, or Luke, but I love John because he really does build us to a sequence in John as Jesus begins to talk about what's going to happen. Talks about Jerusalem, talks about the, the cross, he talks about death, talks about abandonment, talks about betrayal. And so you begin to look at that list of some of the things he's dealing with in the Gospels and you recognize he's dealing with a lot of stuff. He's dealing with a lot of uncertainties, he's dealing with a lot of of entities all at the same time and then he's got to go to the cross and he's got to carry the sins of the world it's one thing when you do something you got to pay a price because with every decision comes consequences maybe good or bad but every decision you and i make has consequences that come with that and it's one thing to be able to carry the consequences or deal with the consequences of a sin or a mistake or something you did in your life he's got to carry the entire weight of the world past present and future, that's a lot of weight that no one will ever fully appreciate. But he says, I get it. I know what it feels like. And so we looked at the model of Jesus and said, okay, in light of all of that, what do you do? Because I, I want to I know. I want to follow an example. So what do you do? And then we come to John 17 where it said he looked up his eyes toward heaven and said, Father, Glorify your son that I might glorify you. I've done everything I could. I've given them everything I had. I gave them eternal life. And eternal life is this, that you know God and that you really understand his son. Eternal life doesn't just simply come because you live and you die well and everything goes okay and you're a good person and you reasonably treated everybody well. Eternal life comes because of a relationship with Jesus. And it's not enough just to know that God exists. There's a God out there somewhere. But that I know his son. I know Christ is my savior. I've invited him into my life. I've confessed my sin. I've asked him into my life. And Jesus said, I come and I gave them that. I gave them the best answer I could have ever given them in life. And so when they're wondering about the future and they're wondering how to go and where to go and how to get to heaven, I've given them the answer. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to God but through me. Did a funeral last week, and I do another one this week of two really wonderful, wonderful people. Bob McCandless, Donna Pickett, two of the sweetest people I know. And they're in glory, not because they're really sweet people, or because they were wonderful people, or treated people well, or 
did a good job on this earth. They're in glory because of their relationship with Jesus. Jesus said, I, I've given them life. And so when we looked at the model of Jesus, we said, okay, how does that apply to me? What do I do when I face pressure? What do I do when I'm overwhelmed? What do I do when I'm worried? What do I do when I face stress? You do what Jesus did. Number one in your sermon notes, turn everything over to God. Turn everything over to God. Let him know what you're going through. Let him know what you're dealing with. Look at the list that's in your sermon notes, reasons Jesus felt pressure. All right, if you didn't get sermon notes, they're on those tables on the way back out. Until we start handling out, handing out bulletins, which I think is what, next Sunday? Um, you know, we'll have it there, but you, you want to get stuff on the way in, we want you to do that. So look at the reason Jesus felt pressure. He was misunderstood. Ever feel that? That people just don't quite get what I'm trying to get across. They don't get me sometimes. They don't get what I'm trying to say. He understands that. So turn that over to him. Let him know what it is you feel. He was not accepted. God, I don't fit in. I'm starting sixth grade. I'm starting to set, I'm going to junior high. I don't fit in. I'm starting a new job, a new career, in a new group with new people. I don't fit in. God, do you know what that's like? Yep, I do. Will you help me with that? Because I feel like nobody understands. And I'm not sure if I'll ever fit. Turn everything over to God? That's a great one. Temptation. Now, this is one that I know none of you ever have faced. This is one I know the word says everybody does. Lord, I, I'm so sorry. I struggle with this. You know what it's like. You started your ministry tempted. You were tempted to take a shortcut at the end. You know what I'm dealing with. What I love about my 55-year relationship with Jesus is he not only knows everything, he hears me tell him everything. And I love him. I'm not going to hide from him anyhow, and I know he already knows anyhow, but there is something freeing, believe it or not, even in the context of temptation, to be able to say, man, Lord, I'm wrestling with that. And, and I love Jesus, and he's not saying, oh, he, again, seriously? We just talked about that a week ago, okay? Let's just, no. He gets it. He understands it. So when you're struggling with temptation, whatever that may be, because every single one of us in the room face that, I don't care how pure you think you are, every single one of us face that. So when it says turn everything over to him, let him know where you're tempted the most and ask for his help in the middle of that. Disciples are slow learners. God, there are some times that I read your word and I don't understand it. Would you help me? Because I don't get this piece. I don't get this section. I don't understand that book. And, and I feel sometimes, Lord, like I'm a slow learner too. Because I should know this. I've been in church for a while. I should tell him. Heavy responsibility. God, my job is so difficult. People are counting on me. I've got to go to work tomorrow and make some changes. I've got to go to work tomorrow and let some people go. I don't know if my business is going to survive. He gets that. He knows that. He wants you to tell him that. Not much time to accomplish everything. Still more to be done. The path that was before him. The path before you and I are always different. But every single one of us have a path in front of us that is going to entail something. It may be aging. It may be unemployment. It may be retirement. It may be cancer. It may be dying. 
It may be a family member dying. Every single one of us have something in that path in front of us. I prayed with people this morning. My little girl started radiation this week. My oldest. I don't like that path that she's on. Every single one of us have a path that is in front of us in some way or the other. So when it says turn everything over to God, you've got a path. And you've got something on that path that is in front of you. What is it? This morning you can tell him. And you can let him know what you know and what you feel. 1 Peter 5, 7 is a verse I have in your sermon. Those cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you and I. That, two things amaze me. One is the all. Cast all my anxiety on him and the fact that he cares for me. He does that in the singular. He cares for you. He cares for you, for you, for you, for you. The God of the universe cares for you. I mean, how could you not love that? So when he says, cast all my anxiety on him, he cares for me. Matthew 10, he notices when the sparrow falls. Do you not think he cares about you? He notices how many hairs on your head. Some of us are ahead of the curve on that. Some of us are behind. But he knows the hairs on our head. Do you not think he cares about you? In Matthew chapter 10, in Matthew chapter 6, why are you worrying? You can't add a day to your life. If he cares about the flowers of the field and the birds of the air, do you not think he cares about you? He notices everything about us. Now, I'm not talking about taking every potato chip you take to him, although some of us probably should. I'm talking about being able to tell him about everything because if you're not turning everything over to God, then you're trying to do it on your own, and that's dangerous ground. If you're not turning everything over to God, then you're trying to do it on your own, and that's really dangerous ground. Because you think then you can handle it. You think you can deal with it. You know what keeps us and holds us back from turning everything over to God? Pride. Which is why verse 6 in that turn everything over to God or cast all your anxieties on him, he said you got to humble yourself. you got to say, Lord, I need your help. We men are really great at that, aren't we? Ask for directions everywhere we go, don't we? I mean, we're going down the road, we miss the exit, she looks at us, everybody looks at us, and we're going, I'm taking an alternative route. <laughs> 20 minutes later, you get there, she knows, everybody knows, God knows, I'm taking alternative route. I'm telling you, one of the most dangerous places you can be in is assume that somehow you can handle it on your own. Just ask Peter, the guy who writes this. You get that? The guy who writes this. When Jesus talks about betrayal when people denying him and all that, not me, Lord, oh, the rest of those guys may. Wouldn't you love to be one of those guys? What do you mean? Us. Yeah, they're going to leave you. They'll be, not me, God, I'm, I'm with you, Jesus. I'll be with you to the end. I'm right behind you. You can count on me. I don't know about these guys. You'd have loved to have that staff meeting afterwards whenever he said not about those guys. But man, I'm with you. Jesus, I'm with you. Deny you? No way. Before the cock crows three times, you will. Not, no, not me. One time. I don't even know him, no. Aren't you one of his? Absolutely not. I can recognize by your accent. He's a Galilean. Everybody else there has got a different accent. You know we can tell people by their accent, right? Yeah, everybody said we had a Western PA accent and all that. Go to the South. I could fit into the, I love the South. You can tell by your accent. You're, you're one of it. Absolutely. I don't even know the man. Dangerous ground you and I can be on. 
is when we think we can handle our stuff on our own. It destroyed Judas. Peter recognized it and came back and became the leader of the early church who writes this verse. You humble yourself before Almighty God. Cast all your anxiety on Him. <clears throat> Number two, understand your purpose in life. Make sure you clearly understand why you and I are here and what you and I are here to do. You and I cannot fix everybody's problems. So understand what you and I are called to do. If you've got a purpose and know that purpose, you can handle pressure. The greater your purpose, the greater the stability and tenacity to handle those issues. The less, the easier to give up. Just ask David. In the David and Goliath story, he knew exactly what he was called to do. Didn't need somebody else's armor, didn't need somebody else's sword, didn't need somebody else's advice on what to do. He knew exactly what to do, and he was going to do it, and he was able to do, as we're going to sing in a moment ago, in a moment, cast everything on him, and God was going to walk him through, no matter what the giant is. He did a survey on people who lived over 100 years to find the common denominator, and one of the things they found is they had a purpose. At a certain age, when one spouse dies, the other one within 16 to 17 to 18 months is going to pass away. I've read stories where they passed away in the same day or within a few days of one another because of that bond. Victor Franco, a Jewish psychologist, psychiatrist who was in prison under Hitler, where 95% of them died, found that those who survived had purpose and they were able to do it. So if you really want to handle pressure, number three, you need to know what's important and what's not. And that's critical. You need to know what's important and what's not. What to hold on to and what let go of. The fight you and I have sometimes to have our way can cause bitterness and restlessness, anger and anxiety. Most Mary's counselors will tell you the one main issue that brings people to that point of needing a Mary's counselor is because they're trying to figure out who's right. Because one of them will always say, I'm right. Or I want my rights. I deserve to be happy. I hear it all the time. Strong people can give up their rights. They know there's another day. Weak people guard their turf, want their way, cannot let go. Look at Jesus in Philippians chapter 2. God himself, heaven that will blow your mind. I'm going to give all of that up, let it all go, and take on humanity and go to the point of the cross. He humbled himself, Philippians 2 says, to the point of death. The Apostle Paul, I die daily. I mean, every single day I wake up and I die daily. I die to myself and what it is that I need. I don't have to survive because the moment you have to survive is the moment someone can buy you or put limits on you. Paul died to himself. What are you going to do with Paul? Paul, if you don't quit preaching, we're going to stone you. Yeah, that's happened before. All right, you don't quit preaching, we're going to put you in jail. If you do, could I go to the one in Rome? I just, I mean, I had him this close to coming to Jesus. You keep it up, we're going to kill you. You know, to be really honest with you, that would help me a lot. Because I'm trying to decide, do I want to stay here and help the church and minister to the church, or do I want to go to heaven and see Jesus? And you just solve the dilemma. What are you going to do with the Apostle Paul? Nothing, because he died daily. He was able to give up his right, didn't have to hold on to everything so tight. He understood it. You can't set him off. The most uptight people in the world sometimes are the ones who are constantly demanding what's right for them, who lose sight of the big picture and really what's important in life. 
for be a generous person, have something to give. And I have that here for this reason. Mark 10, 45, I love that verse. The Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve. Man, if you're too good to do stuff, to do stuff that no one else sees, to clean up junk on the floor, you're too good. The Son of Man came not to serve, but not to be served, but to serve. And so the essence of being a follower of Christ is to be a servant. But I say that for this reason. Somebody is watching how you handle stress, pressure, and worry. I guarantee you somebody is watching how you handle it. And what you can give to them is what you're learning in that process and a model for them to follow. Your kids are watching. I guarantee you, your kids are watching how you handle stress, how you're handling everything in 2020, what you think about life, what you think about the future. I mean, the list is endless. We were, my wife watches Fox Nation, and it's a, I don't even know how she gets it, to be honest with you, because I'm not a techie guy. Um, it's a Roku something. Anybody know what that is? I don't have a clue. So anyhow, but what was interesting is we're watching the story the other night of Scott Hamilton, and I did not remember his story. He was a figure skater in the 80s, just a phenomenal kid. Uh, what was incredible about him is this is a kid who faced cancer once, and then twice, and then three times, and now four times. And the way this story of how he embraced Jesus and what Christ has done in his life and the impact Jesus has had on him and is willing to tell that story on national TV to John Rich was fascinating. But he said, I had a mom who, when she came home and told me she had cancer, said, isn't this cool? I get new hair. I, I didn't know what to do with that. And then I watched how she handled everything in life and how she handled death. And then all of a sudden, I got to handle it. And I think, oh, I watched her. Somebody's watching you in my life as to how we handle the circumstances and the pressures that we deal with. And I'm telling you, they want to learn from us, even if they'll never tell you that. And maybe every once in a while, someone will come to you and say, you know what, I watched how you handled that. I appreciate the model that you set before me. Because right now, I'm going through this. And I needed something to hold on to and needed somebody to watch. Ella Wilcox, I found this years and years ago. There are two kinds of persons on earth today, just two kinds of person, no more, I say. Not the good and the bad, it's well understood that the good are half bad and the bad are half good. There are just two kinds of people on earth, I mean. There are the people who lift and the people who lean. There's two kinds of person on earth, I say. Lifters, what can I give? Leaners, what can I get? Lifter, who needs me? Leaner, what do I need? And finally, glorify God through obedience. Through just simply doing the absolute best I can to turn it over to Him, to trust Him, to walk with Him, to let Him help me, teach me, walk with me, strengthen me, so that I can pass on to others what I've learned. Charles Swindoll, I found this years ago and I still laugh at it. Most important lessons in life I learned of how to live and how to be is what I learned in kindergarten. There in the sandbox of nursery school, these are the things I learned. Share your toys, play fair, don't hit people, put things back where you found them, clean up your own mess, say you're sorry, and don't take things that aren't yours. And when you go out into the world, watch for traffic, hold hands and stick together. Man, would that be an advice for this world today? In a world filled with doctors, psychologists, counselors, attorneys, and clergymen who give stressed out people medicine tests, advice, and prayers, what you really need most of all is to follow the model of Jesus. And so there he is. 
in the Gospel of John to lift up his eyes to heaven and say, I give it to you. I have no idea what you face. I have no idea what you're going through. I have no idea any stress that you feel. But I do know you have one. I know that much. And so in these next minute and a half, I'm going to give you the opportunity. We are going to give you the opportunity just to submit it to him. He already knows, and maybe you've already told him, but there's just some, something about the solitude and wonder of this moment together collectively where we can spend some time just simply telling him. Now, there's something fascinating about the process of adoration and communication with God in that as I tell him, I begin to sense it lifting, and then it gives me the opportunity to praise. You read the book of Psalms, and what you will notice about David is many times he'll start here or start in the depth. God, where are you? And then he gets down into this valley, and almost in every psalm, right, somewhere he'll just come riding up out of that in glory and adoration. And so we're going to do a, a small snippet of that today. So whatever you're dealing with, spend a few moments in conversation with God. And then Dave's going to lead us in a time of reflection and then adoration.